ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Are you ready to go? I am. It is Monday, June 27th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We are opening up the phone line for you this hour, 877-420-TALK. That's 877-420-8255. Our text line is open as well, 304-396-TALK. That's 304-396-8255. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk a little bit more about Sunbelt football. This time, we've got Barry McKnight. He's play-by-play voice of the Troy Trojans. So he's going to be with us here in the next few minutes. We're going to talk about Marshall and Troy. This will be the first Sunbelt game for the Thundering Herd on the road. It's be the second time ever that Marshall has played at Troy. If you look at the history, Marshall pretty successful early on in this series, and it goes back a ways. And then... Troy wins the last two. So this will be the second time that Marshall has actually played at Troy. So it should be fun. We're going to talk to Barry McKnight here in the next few minutes. I'm looking forward to introducing myself to him and and getting to know him as well. So we'll do that here. And, of course, we'll get your phone calls and texts, as I mentioned. And and we got a lot to get into today. How about herd fans stepping up? It, It took a little longer than maybe anticipated, but it got done. So the... $50,000 goal that Marshall had set for fundraising for the baseball stadium was met. Now, the reason why that number was set is because the $50,000 was matched. Up to $50,000 was matched by Chris and Melissa Lambert. So they said that if you can get up to $50,000, that they would match that donation. So Marshall put the call out. Look, we've got a match offer here. 50,000, first 50,000 going to be matched. So basically, Marshall picked up $100,000 toward the stadium project. Still a lot to go, though. Christian Spears was with us on Friday. He said about $11 million. I think it's, and I've had some people ask me, what's the financing on that? City's kicking in eight. You're saying that you need 11? What's the financing here? And Honestly, I don't know the answer to that, to be quite honest, because I don't know what has been collected, what's been promised, what's been collected, and what has been spent in trying to get this thing going. You just don't call up an architect and say, hey, you know, send me over a rough draft. You know, you, you got to pay for preliminary work. There's a, So there's expenses. I don't know what those expenses are. I don't know what's been spent so far. But it was a good question. But the project's looking about $20 million. And that means the site's easier to prepare for. That means that there were some decisions made as far as what the stadium's actually going to be built from. What kind of materials are we going to use? And I can't wait to see what the renderings and the designs look like and what the amenities will be. I'm sure there were things that maybe were not necessary that got pitched. I'm sure there are things that are necessary that are going to be part of it. I'm sure that there's lots of things that if done right, will be perfectly acceptable. I feel like this is going to be a good ballpark. It's going to be a really good ballpark. And it's going to give the herd an opportunity to play in an on-campus facility for the first time in my lifetime. 
So I'm excited for that. We're going to get Coach Wags on tomorrow. Jeff Wagner's going to join us tomorrow on the program. So I'm looking forward to, to catching up with him, talking to him. I'm sure he's got to be excited because once the dirt starts flying, he can then maybe take potential recruits out there and say, look, here it is. No more losing recruits to facilities. The facilities have killed Marshall University. I am sure there have been plenty of recruits that have been excited for the possibility to play for Marshall and then get to Marshall, see the reality of the situation, and go thanks but no thanks. That is what Marshall has been dealing with as long as I can remember and far as baseball is concerned. So now the whole, you got to get a baseball park built. You got to get a baseball park built. Well, here we are. We're get at this phase. It's been approved. Now the project will begin sooner than later. Now the project will be at a different location. It's going to be a better location. It looks like it's going to be more of a facility enhancement for Baseball, softball, there's, it feels like it's going to be like a little complex over there. I can't wait to see what we come up with here. And the donations continue, so you can still donate. This was just a let's get this money matched. Let's kick this off, get this money matched. Now, the fundraising challenge continues. You got to pay for this thing. And, again, how many of us have said, look, Got to get this built. Well, here it is. Here's my opportunity to kick in. Here's your opportunity to kick in. If you can't kick in right now, you can do it later. That's perfectly fine. And if you want to kick in something and you want to do it anonymously, you can do that as well. If you don't have $25 to give, maybe you can get $15. Maybe you get $10. Maybe you can do $25 now. Maybe you can do something on a recurring basis. you got plenty of options here. And again, I'm not telling you to donate. I'm not telling you to donate, but if you got money, and you want to kick in, and you've been a naysayer of this thing, and like, okay. Or are you waiting? Are you just sitting back and waiting? I don't know. I don't know what the vibe is here right now. All I'm saying is here's an opportunity for you now to put some money towards this thing, help out, and then you can really be one of those people that can say, hey, look, I, I even kicked in money on this. What's going on? I don't know if me dropping 25 or you dropping 25 will – bend the ear the way a major donor will, but I kind of feel like if we all have a piece of this thing and we all have a collective voice, I think we're going to have a little sway here as far as accountability. Now, honestly, I think this athletic department is all about accountability, so pretty excited about that. It took a couple more days to get this going, but once it got going, it went well over 50000 and that's good because then the 50000 match kicked in. I mean, if it would have been 48000 before the deadline, Marshall would have got an additional 48000 So 50000 plus, that's always a good sign to get this thing started. So hopefully Marshall can do more there and more donations and more sources of revenue to make this stadium a reality. So I'm looking forward to talking to Coach Wagner tomorrow about the ballpark. I'm sure that he will have a lot to say. I'm sure he is excited. It feels tangible. But it felt tangible before. We were at the ceremony. Now I feel like this is actually moving. They're not waiting. We don't have a pandemic that's slowing things down as well. We don't have issues with the site compared to the previous location. 
I feel like it's going to be more connected to the campus because it's going to be right next to softball. And this was sort of that area that the city sort of envisioned this way originally. It, it felt like this was where it should have went. And then we find out, well, here's the property and here's where it's going. And we find out there's so much going on with that property. That doesn't need to be on the university to, to clean up. That doesn't need to be on the university cleanup. Let someone else deal with that. Let Marshall finally build a baseball park. And I know there are a lot of people that might say they've had a piece of this over the years, but honestly, I think the guy that you should pat on the back the most right now is Christian Spears, and I'm sure he's going to say you need to pat Brad Smith on the back as well. So pat them both on the back. Let's get this thing going. I'm excited. We're going to get into so much. We're going to talk Sunbelt football with Barry McKnight. He's play-by-play broadcaster for the Troy Trojans. So we're going to talk to him. Marshall's taking on Troy. Sunbelt opener. It's September 24th. I'm sure a lot of you are going to be there, and we're going to talk to Barry about the game and what her fans can expect. It's been a long time since Marshall played Troy. What's changed? What's staying the same? We'll talk about it when we continue with this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Monday edition The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Uh, We're going to be checking in here in a few minutes with Barry McKnight. He is the play-by-play voice of the Troy Trojans, so we're going to talk to him. Marshall opening up the Sunbelt schedule with Troy. It'll be Marshall's first-ever Sunbelt opponent as a member. It'll be September 24th. It's going to be at Troy. That's going to be a new experience for Herd fans. Marshall really doesn't have a history of traveling to Troy for football, so this will be something that will be a new experience. Not only will this be, I believe, the second time ever these two teams have met and Troy, but it also will be as a conference member. So we're going to talk to Barry here in the next few minutes. Looking forward to talking to him. Until then, I will open up the text line for you, give you an opportunity to be a part of the program. The text line is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. If you want to be a part of the program and you don't want to use text, that's okay. You can find me on Twitter at Paul Swan. That is at Paul Swan on Twitter. So looking forward to talking to you as we line up our guest here in the next couple of minutes, Mr. Barry McKnight, play-by-play voice of the Troy Trojans. This should be a fun one. I can remember Troy was one of those programs on the rise when Marshall was playing Troy, and Marshall was successful early. And then all of a sudden, Troy comes in the Jones C. Edwards Stadium and wins. And it wins. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, well, what? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. What's going on here? Because you, at that time, Herd fans, I don't think Herd fans were ready to see a, a competitive Troy. So this will be an interesting series as Marshall making that trip for the first time in a long time and joining us now on the program. He is the play by play voice of the Troy Trojans, Barry McKnight's with us. Barry, thanks for doing it this afternoon. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. I don't think Hurt fans are that rem- don't remember too much about going down to Troy since, well, it feels like Troy's spent almost every single game in Huntington that the two teams have ever played. 
So I remember very well a couple of those trips. You know, I've been here 20 years now, and I've, I've seen a lot of football, and I remember a couple of those games up there uh, in Huntington uh, for a lot of different reasons. I've been, been there for basketball, too, uh, when the Trojans played up there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to renewing this entire thing. I have great memories of uh, the, the Troy Marshall games, and cannot tell you how excited we are about having the uh, Thundering Herd coming down to Troy on September 24th. Why do you why do you think this series didn't continue? Because it felt like it was a good series, and then all of a sudden Troy started winning. And I don't know. I don't know if that had anything really to do with it, but for a while it, it felt like this is a good series. Troy is a competitive team. It's an up and coming program, and then all of a sudden it just stopped. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine on that one. I think probably some of it had to do with, you know, conference affiliations and and all of that. But you're right, for a while there, I mean, some of the games were really, really good. Back in the one little A days, uh, whenever Troy, I'll never forget, one year Troy went up to to Marshall. This is early in my career, um, in the early 2000s. And Troy had a player, a defensive lineman named O.C. Umanyora, who, of course, you know, was an all-pro for many years for the New York Giants. And uh, it was a challenge for him. He was from London. He had never played much football in America, didn't really know everything about what he was doing, but you could tell there was talent there. I mean, you know, whenever he was playing high school football uh, in the state of Alabama, they had to teach him how to put the the shoulder pads on. Well, they challenged him that game because he was going to be important. They told O.C., look, you've got all the talent in the world. We've coached you as much as we can. And he went out there, and he had, uh, I think, four-and-a-half tackles for loss against the Herd and three-and-a-half sacks, and, boy, he, that lit the candle for him. He was an All-American for Troy State back in the day, and, uh, you know, that really got him going to where um, you know, he was drafted by the Giants, won a couple Super Bowls. And he'll tell you, I talked to him last summer, he'll tell you that for him the light really turned on <laughs> at Marshall in his uh, sophomore year. Well, this will be the second visit, is if I've counted right, the second visit uh-huh. to Troy, this will be the first since 2003. I remember all these games well. And <laughs> at the time, Troy was this growing program. Where's Troy at now? How far has Troy progressed since 2003, the last time the Herd visited? Well, leaps and bounds is the descriptive term to use there. Uh, not only as a university, not only as an athletic program, and not only just specifically in, in terms of football talent and all of that, but, um, you know, the the facilities are worlds better. The resources are worlds better. The fan support is has always been great. That's never been a problem. But um, the way right now to be able to quantify an answer to your question is difficult because – it's a new coaching staff, uh, three years for Chip Lindsey, and now it's John Sumrall. All three years under Coach Lindsey, the Trojans didn't get to a bowl game, which is now why Coach Sumrall is there. And he's really brought an energy. There's a couple of guys, and I know one of them you're going to be really familiar with, that you can really lay um, the credit for growing this program at the feet of. One of them is Larry Blakeney, who coached in all of those games uh, against Marshall. And the other one is Neil Brown who, you know, now he's at West Virginia, but when he was at Troy, I cannot stress enough how much he changed the culture here, how much he put Troy on a path 
to where you know they can be successful. Last three years, it hasn't happened, but I cannot begin to emphasize just how much he meant to Troy football and to Troy athletics. So right now, you know, the Marshall fans, when they come down in late September, they'll notice a beautiful stadium. Uh, 30-something thousand seats is not a bad seat in the house. Uh, the town is a very small town, but it'll be packed for Marshall. I can promise you that the talent is going to be first-class. Talent was really never a problem the last several years. Uh, the, the, the high school football in the state of Alabama Troy is about 30 miles away from the Georgia state line, and it's about an hour away from the Florida state line. So in terms of talent, uh, you can cast a net about 120 miles in a big circle around Troy, and you'll be able to find all the talent that you want. So right now, the talent level is good. People don't see that because we were 5-7 and seven last year, but it's a good talent level. The transfer portal has been very good for Troy, and a lot of people are anticipating, a lot of people are prophesying that John Sumrall is going to really kickstart this program back into the level that it's been in the past. What's the travel like these days? I remember back in 1993 when this game was announced. It was one AA playoffs, and Mm-hmm. Where's Troy? You know, and we're talking 1993 here. You could just easily Google these things. Now it's easy to find Troy in a map, and we all know where it's at. But how how easy is it now to get to Troy compared to 1993? Or are we looking at that, or at least am I looking at that from a lens of several years ago where nobody knew where Troy's at? Now everyone knows where Troy's at. Well, everybody knows where Troy's at is now. You know, and a couple of big football wins have put – the Trojans on that map in the nation's consciousness, the win over LSU at LSU in 2017, beating Ogeron's team, the win the next year at Nebraska for Troy. There have been wins over Missouri and wins over um, uh, a lot of other schools, uh, Navy, things like that, Mississippi State. But um, it's still hard to get to. That hasn't changed. It's still uh, a very small town in a rural area of southeastern Alabama. So, fans, when you're coming down, you can expect to fly into Atlanta and have to drive about three and a half hours to get to Troy, or you can fly to Montgomery, and it's about an hour south. Uh, the 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 remoteness of campus. It's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful town. It's it's not a uh, it's not a sparse area but um it's just you know it's just a little bit remote the the recruiting angle that you take in getting kids here is that look you know if you are committed to going to school and playing football this is a perfect place if you want the nightlife if you want a place where you can get into trouble you're going to have to actively look to find a way to get into trouble in troy alabama particularly getting in trouble in troy alabama and nobody finding out about it so it really has been used as kind of a recruiting advantage just being small town football in the southeastern united states where football is an absolute mania but also without a great deal of distractions as well Let's talk about Marshall Troy, Sunbelt. What was the initial feeling when the news came out that the Sunbelt was pursuing expansion and Marshall was one of the targets? Well, the, the names that we kept hearing largely were accurate. You know, the, the, the four that ultimately have signed on. I can promise you the two that the Troy fans really, really wanted were Southern Miss, obviously, and Marshall. I, I would think, and I'm not speaking for the Sunbelt Conference uh, at all, I, I would think that Marshall was critical. 
Marshall has exactly the type of a footprint that the Sunbelt Conference needs. And I know that, um, at least from what I've talked with, with some of our colleagues around the Sunbelt Conference on the radio side, that Marshall was uh, was critical. If the, if the Sunbelt Conference was going to expand, Marshall was a must. You know, no, you know, no... Uh, lack of uh, respect for James Madison and Old Dominion, but Marshall is a big deal. And our fans remember, our fans appreciate Marshall. They remember the really, really good players, the Leftriches and the Benningtons and, and, and all those guys. That, as a matter of fact, when Troy really got started, was, to be honest, a blueprint for Troy to make the transition from 1AA to 1A football Troy's not the only one, but a lot of schools used what Marshall did along the same lines as what Boise State did in in making that transition. So in many ways, there's a great deal of respect. Troy fans were certainly hoping that Marshall would be a part of the Sunbelt Conference expansion, but there's also a very frank admission that Troy patterned a lot of the goals and aspirations as a 1A FBS football program out of the blueprint that Marshall provided. My guest is Barry McKnight. He is the longtime play-by-play voice of the Troy Trojans. I'm excited for your next visit here. I don't get to travel as much, so next time I'll see you will be the first time I see you in a long time uh, when you mm-hmm. get back to Huntington. I'm looking forward to it, but I think Hurt fans are in for a surprise. As you alluded to earlier, Veterans Memorial Stadium is gorgeous. There have been a lot of renovations to it. It's a far cry from what I remember as being Movie Gallery Stadium. You are ringing an old bell. That's exactly right, for sure. Uh, The end zones are both totally filled in. Um, Back in the day, you know, you had one little bleacher on one side and then the field house with an open track all the way around it. The track's gone. It's very intimate. Uh, And it's, again, 30,000 seats. uh, The north end zone, there's tons of skyboxes. It's very... um, it's very up-to-date. Not a bit of it's dated anymore. And when when Troy plays at home, traditionally, they've been awfully tough to beat. So, yeah, the fans are going to love it. The tailgating is phenomenal, phenomenal for a school our size. Um, the campus is beautiful. I guarantee you, you won't recognize very much of it at all because so much of it has been improved and uh, built upon. But it should be fun. I, I cannot stress enough how important and how much the fans are looking forward to that visit just from the the fans itself, just from getting a visit from Marshall, but also just how important that football is going to be early in the John Sumrall tenure at Troy to try to make a statement in, in, in the sense of just looking at it from a football perspective. It is a hypercritical game for the Trojans. I can promise you that. Well, a lot of herd fans, I'm sure, are familiar with Coach because he was at Kentucky, mm-hmm. and so. There's a lot of that crossover here because being located in Huntington, that means we have a lot of crossover with Ohio and Kentucky, and that means sure. Buckeye football, U.K. football, and Kentucky football is really – there's been a nice resurrection of that football program. So I'm sure Troy is feeling that maybe some of that can carry over. And as you mentioned earlier, Neil Brown, he's doing a fantastic job with the Mountaineers. I'm sure some Mountaineer fans would like it to be a, a speedier process, right. but – yeah, it looks like it's about ready to really explode as far as how well the Mountaineers are going to show improvement. 
Well, I'll tell you this about about both men. Uh, and Sumrall was uh, Neil Brown's assistant head coach when he was here at Troy before, Coach Sumrall. I, I will tell those fans out there, there is zero doubt in my mind, zero doubt that Neil Brown will get it done at West Virginia. Uh, you know, there's so much that has changed since he first took the job with the NIL and the transfer portal, and the transfer portal has hurt that program, but it's also helped him. Uh, you know, getting Graham Harrell to be the offensive coordinator at West Virginia is probably a help, although Neil has, you know, called plays his entire career, handing that over to where he can focus on all the all of the aspects of being a head coach can only help him. But as far as Coach Sumrall is concerned, again, he is very much much part of that Neil Brown um, mentality, but he's definitely his own man. What he brings is what Neil Brown brought, and that is a great deal of energy, a great deal of relatability to the players. He's still a, a young football coach, but he also brings a great deal of intensity as well. The recruiting has gone really, really well since he took the job back in December. Uh, the staff that he has assembled is high quality, and they've been very active in the transport portal as well. I really look for uh, this turnaround, and it's not much of a turnaround. They were up five and seven last year. They weren't, but a tick or two off from a bowl game and a winning season. The turnaround for Coach Sumrall, I believe, will be immediate, and it will be pretty significant as well. We're speaking with Barry McKnight. He's the play-by-play voice of the Troy Trojans. Marshall getting to open up Sunbelt play for the first time September 24th with a rare appearance, which will soon be a uh, a common occurrence, but a rare appearance at Troy. Both these teams wanting to make an impact right out of the gate. This is probably, I don't know, this might be the perfect first game for both Troy this season and for Marshall because I don't know where you begin in this league. It's so loaded, especially on the east side. It feels like the east is, is super jam-packed. Uh, the no West side's not shabby. Yeah, the West is not shabby as well, but it just feels like top to bottom every week you better bring a lunch pail because you got to go to work all day long in this league. Yeah, there's no uh, – and I remember back when Troy first got in the league, right after you know the game that you were referencing early, um, Troy won the league the first five years they were in the league. And there were times in the Sunbelt Conference when you knew that you could go somewhere in the league and you didn't necessarily have to play your best, speaking of Troy here, that Troy didn't necessarily have to play their best to have a realistic expectation of winning the game. Now it's a dogfight. Every week Every week you had better play at, at, at your highest level in order to have a prayer. I mean, the East has Appalachian State. Uh, the East will have um, some really, really big challenges with Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern every week. There is so much team speed in the Sun Belt Conference, particularly defensively. And you'll see that from Troy, uh, September 24th. Troy, the one common denominator they have on defense, it seems, is that everybody on defense can really, really run. That particular um, attribute is not limited to Troy. Every defense has, can run. Every defense in this league is going to be athletic. And there are a lot of playmakers on offense as well. This, this division, this Eastern division, is maybe the toughest division in all of the group of five. I, I honestly feel that, and I think it's only going to get better. So great. Marshall's in it and James Madison's in it, right? Just great. If, if but, you know, we say that, and everybody around here knows 
that marshals, you know, they're not wet behind the ears. They're not just falling off the turnip truck into the into the Sun Belt East and saying, "Hey, boys, what's going on around here?" And Marshall is is very well suited to get in and be competitive in that East um, from the get go. There's no question in anybody's mind about that. What makes this league feel different than the rest of the Group of Five, and what makes this league feel like it's more progressive? Because that's the vibe I'm getting. It's everyone that's in this league, from administrators to coaches, everyone is in this league, likes being in this league, and it feels like there's a competitive side to this league, but at the same time, there's a push for the league to be better. And you don't, I mean, it's early in the league. You tell me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't feel like, yeah, you know, this is a league that eats its own alive. It really feels like this is a, a cohesive unit of like-minded institutions working for a, a common good while playing probably some of the competitive, most competitive football at the group of five level? Well, that's a perceptive question, and I would say that the absolute easiest answer and most comprehensive answer is, that the, is the fact, again, uh, when Troy first got in the league, as it was composed at that point, there were programs out there that you didn't have to play really well to beat, and it didn't seem to bother some of them. A couple of things happened. You know, the... Conference USA grabbed a couple of those programs that were in bigger markets that weren't necessarily commanding those markets uh, and weren't necessarily committed to football. They grabbed some of those, and that, to be honest, that was an addition by subtraction. Adding Appalachian State, adding Coastal Carolina, adding Georgia Southern uh, really gave the league uh, a commonality in that Everybody understood at that point, from that point, that they better take it seriously. Everybody in the past, football was just something for some of the Sunbelt schools that they were forced to do in order to stay FBS. Now, everybody's committed to it. You will go to all of these different um, Sunbelt venues. You'll love Appalachian State and their venue. You'll love what Louisiana has done and what Troy has done and South Alabama and Coastal Carolina because they're all committed to it now. In the past, there were some schools in this league that were just happy to be here and they were playing football just because they had to. Everybody sees not only you know, how excited people get when you're playing good football, but what it means to the athletic department as a whole, what it means to the universities as a whole. Everybody has bought into that when, without question, not every school, when Troy first joined the league, were really signed on for it, really believed in that. Everybody believes that football is a front porch for each institution in the Sun Belt Conference, and every school is committed to being the best they can be at football and in athletics as a whole in the Sun Belt. That wasn't always the case. It feels uh, it feels different just coming from Conference USA, yeah. just dealing with it, – it, it, it permeates through everything. You know, just dealing – and you, you probably are, are no more than I do, but just dealing initially with some members of the, uh, the media that cover Sun Belt schools, mm-hmm. it just feels like yeah. it's a different vibe altogether. Well, it, it has been it has been good because you know some of us have been here long enough to um, to remember what it was like beforehand. I think leadership has played a, a great deal in that. Not only the leadership in the commissioner's office, but also the leadership of uh, the Sun Belt um, committee, the the leadership of the the institutions, um, presidents and chancellors, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, 
it's in all sports. You know, Sunbelt had uh, four teams that made the the uh, NCAA baseball tournament this past year. The, the baseball venues are, are beautiful. Basketball is getting better and better. Troy's got a new venue. Georgia State's got a new venue. Um, it, we're not treading water here. We're, we're not um, sponsoring athletics at the member institutions of the Sunbelt Conference just to be able to put teams out there to try to reap the benefits of um, – you know, a few thousand fans here and there. Everybody understands the value of it all, and everybody so far has really taken pride in what the commitment to football and to athletics has really meant to the league and to the institutions as a whole. Barry McKnight's with me, play-by-play voice of the Troy Trojans. Okay, so let's get soccer going for uh, for Troy. That's all we need now, right? <laughs> yeah, we'd love to have it. I don't know where we'd put it because it's a smaller campus and we are jam-packed, but, um, you know, we have had um, – We've had so much success through our football program that has really trickled down to everything else. The baseball program is getting a new facility. Basketball had a 22-win season this past year. Our soccer program is really good. Volleyball has been the postseason three out of the last four years. It really is, um, you know, trickle-down economics, to use a Reagan term. And... um, you know, it really has helped everybody around here. It really has been the the engine that has really pulled Troy Athletics forward. Amazingly enough, Marshall's finally getting a baseball park as well. Finally. Oh, I've heard the stories. I've heard the stories in the past about what a difficulty uh, that it has been and some of the dynamics involved about doing that. I'm looking forward to that. A new athletic director on day 102 has finally got everything I feel in place to actually make this a reality. Day 102 for him. There you go. There you go. And I know how, how important um, you know that athletics is, Thundering Herd Athletics is. I have no doubt that it's not going to be very long before they're competing for championships there. Hope so. Barry McKnight's my guest, play-by-play voice of the Troy Trojans. Barry, I hope this is the first of many times we can get together and talk. I'm excited, uh, top to bottom. I, I, I'm happy. I am more excited about this league than I ever was for Conference USA, and, uh, and I can't wait for uh, Marshall and Troy to get back together. Well, it's going to be a great fit for Marshall. I, I have no reservation in saying that whatsoever. And I know it's going to be a great relationship between these two universities. I also know this, September 24th, it's going to be highly competitive on the football field. I guarantee you the fans are going to love it down here, but the Trojans are going to get after them uh, when, the, when the opening kick sounds at 6 o'clock Central time. Looking forward to it. Barry, thanks for doing this again today. I appreciate it, and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Yeah, let's do it again soon. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. That's Barry McKnight. He is the voice of the Troy Trojans. We will get our next break in. We will get your phone calls and text in. Let's open up the text line. Let's do that. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. More on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're going to keep it short here. We went a little long with Barry McKnight, but that's okay because he was great. Play-by-play voice of the Troy Trojans. I'm looking forward to talking to him more as Marshall and Troy will officially meet on the football field September 24th. As he said, they're going to get after it. You know what Coach Huff would say about them? They're real. He'd say they're real. And if they uh, they put 30000 in at the stadium there, and it's a jam-packed venue there. Heard fans, you are noticed. You are put on notice. Look, Appalachian State, what, sold like 10,000 season tickets? Heard fans, you're on notice. This, this league doesn't play. 
That's why this league is becoming more successful. This league is not playing around. These fans are not playing around. I'm sure they're going to travel as well. I can't wait for that. Uh, as I said, we're going to keep you keep it quick here because uh, I don't. I want to finish strong. But I do want to mention a couple of things. The herd's getting bigger, of course. You see, you see, you see, Coach come out, Coach Huff, with the Steph Curry. It's like the bat signal. It is. It's the bat signal. When you see the Steph Curry gif, the bat signal has been displayed. Herd's getting bigger, and so where did the herd get bigger today? At well, it, it always gets bigger. We try to keep track of that. We don't have a twenty-four-seven position for that. If we did, we would. Definitely be able to keep track of all that. But Gabe Elrod transferring to the herd from Troy. I should have mentioned that. I, you know, I, I should have brought that up. But I, I'm not. I wasn't going to do that. Gabe Elrod is transferring to the herd from Troy. He uh, is joining Marshall as preferred walk-on. He's a defensive lineman, six foot three, 325 pounder. So uh, the herd's getting bigger. Football camp uh, took place this weekend, fourth and final one-day camp, and there were so many offer announcements, so many. We could we could go down the list here and just name names because you got kids from the class of 2025, kids from the class of 2024, kids from the class of 2023, 2026. So many. So there's a lot of kids committing to the herd. And then Verbal Commits retweeted this earlier. The um, Thundering Herd has offered Bryce Slay an offer. This is from Verbal Commits. So Bryce Slay, his first Division One offer from Marshall University. And so... Coach Jackson, the one responsible for that. So there you go. Um, you have early on, and again, it's early. It's class of 2025, but if you're going to offer, you might as well keep it in the herd family, right? Yeah, you, you might as well. You might as well keep it in the family. So he has got his first offer, and it comes from Marshall. That makes sense. That makes completely sense. You know, you want to – I mean, do I have to explain who Bryce Slay is? I mean, I don't have to, right? I feel like if I have to explain it, then I'm going to have to go back a ways here. I don't have to explain this. You all know who Bryce Slay is, right? You're familiar with Tamara Slay, right? 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 Okay, so you all know who Bryce – y'all, listen to me. See, I was talking to Barry earlier. He's from the South. I'll get that. I picked up on some of that, y'all. Okay, I just make sure we don't. I don't have to. I don't have to explain this. I don't have to explain this. All right, I just want to make sure. Making sure now. All right, more coming up. It's the drive. ESPN ninety four point one at AM nine thirty. This is the drive with Paul Swan on ESPN ninety four point one FM and AM nine thirty. Welcome back to the Monday, June 27th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. You know, we, we forgot to mention, we're talking basketball, and of course, we were talking about maybe a legacy product coming to the Thundering Herd. 
And Bryce Slay, he got his first offer, Division One offer. And, of course, where does it come from? Of course it comes from Marshall University, and so it should. So he gets an offer. Another local product gets an offer, class of 2024, and that is Huntington Prep guard forward Dylan Tangler. So he receives an offer from the herd. He's six foot seven. So lots of offers going out. Uh, baseball. I know we didn't talk about this earlier, and we should have mentioned it, that baseball has uh, added to the staff Taylor Sanderful. He, Sanderfer, my mistake. Taylor Sanderful. Or fur. I'll, I'll get a clarification on that, but I'm going to go with Taylor Sanderfer. So Marshall Baseball announces the hiring of Taylor Sanderfer as pitching coach. Comes to the Thundering Herd after four seasons at Western Carolina as the pitching coach and recruiting coordinator. Also a standout for the Catamounts. And had some coaching stops, uh, Appalachian State, among the places he's been. So some additions to the staff. And again, I think baseball's on the upswing. Why? Because we might actually see, sooner than later, dirt moving. Not just posting a sign up and saying, future home or herd baseball. I'm talking about dirt actually moving and a, a whole area that's baseball and softball-centric. And then you can make that sort of a more of an athletic complex, and then you could give maybe baseball everything it needs. Softball can get things it needs as well. I don't know. Maybe you can have pitching, ca- you know, pitching cages, batting cages. You could have all kinds of shared things for both and make it really world-class. And so you serve needs of both softball and baseball. It's a great location. It's as if it was drawn up years ago. Someone put a map out, said, here's how you redevelop this area, and had an outline of a baseball park right there. It's amazing. That's where it should have went in the first place. That's where I thought it was going. And then we all show up, and here it is. It's Here's the location. Okay. When's this going to open up? Now? I'm happy. I'm happy. Baseball, I'm a lot happy. So tomorrow, Jeff Wagner is going to join us on the program. Looking forward to uh, talking to him. Uh, coming up tonight here on the uh, station, we got Pirates baseball. Uh, Tampa Bay lost the uh, Stanley Cup, but in baseball, they beat the Pirates, swept the Pirates. So, but that's okay because. Tampa Bay lost the Stanley Cup last night. The Game 6 lost to the Colorado Avalanche. Colorado beat the two-time defending champions 4-2 to win the series. Four games to two. Some people thought this might go seven. It went six. And here we are. It probably should have just went five. Five. I thought that Tampa Bay would close out the season by losing game five, but instead held on, forced game six, lost in front of the home fans. So Colorado wins the Stanley Cup on the road. I'm sure they would have preferred to, as a collective unit, win that in front of their home fans. Unfortunately, that was not the case. 
But the good news is Colorado wins. So we got Pirates baseball coming up tonight here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Taking on the Washington Nationals. First pitch set for 7.05 p.m. We've got it for you, 6.40 airtime here. Again, on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. On the golf side of things, and you know what? We'll need to get him on the show soon. Former Marshall golfer Christian Brand won the 89th West Virginia Open with a minus 10. That is impressive. Uh, Next closest golfer was under 7. So, class of 2011 showing up, winning the West Virginia Open Championship. So, we'll have to get uh, Christian on the show here in the near future. And unfortunately, some bad news for uh, basketball fans. Mike D'Antoni was a finalist for the job in Charlotte, but the Hornets offered the position to Kenny Atkinson. So uh, there will not be a a D'Antoni as a head coach in the NBA at this moment. Things will change. So uh, it was a good weekend overall. Good weekend overall for a lot of things. Of course, uh, with the Stanley Cup, Colorado winning. You know, the, the fun thing about that was Jared Bednar. He was the head coach of the Colorado Avalanche. And if you're a, a longtime listener to this show and you grew up in a time when Huntington had hockey, you know, Jerry Bednar played for the Huntington Blizzard. Played three seasons for the Huntington Blizzard. So he was uh, remembered fondly his time with the organization. So a lot of fans in this area became Colorado Avalanche fans. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll do it all over again here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Huntington W231BS Huntington broadcasting from the Oscars Breakfast Burgers and Brew Studios. This is ESPN 94.1 and AM 930.